Welcome to the Start Up to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. Well, hello. Hello. <laughs> How was How your... are you? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. How was your weekend? It was great. Nice, uh, nice time at the dog park. Mm. We... Yeah, it seems to be a lot of more people at the dog park because I think it's the only activity people can do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was nice. Did you have many power outages this weekend with all the snow? Um, no, actually. Oh. Surprisingly, we didn't have any. Okay. Yeah, we. Um, I was working late on, or I was at my computer on Saturday night, and um, I kept just seeing green flashes kind of around my neighborhood of of uh, what I can only assume was trees laden with snow falling into power lines. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I thought it was lightning at first, because I've heard of thunder snow as like a weather condition, but I've never actually seen it. Um, and then, yeah, I just saw a bunch of these like green flashes and was just like, okay, it's either Harry Potter world or like we're, we have some like electrical grid problems. <laughs> so how was your weekend? It was good. Um, the weather was really cool. Like just being out and like with so much snow, uh, we, we got, we had like a, I don't know if we'd call it a snowstorm, but we got like 30 centimeters of snow or more. And, uh, and it just, yeah, like the trees were all sticky with snow. It looked like walking around on a mountaintop. It was just really pretty. So I yeah. spent a lot of time outside. Um, yeah, that was, that was really it. Um, yeah, just like you say, dog park. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's basically it. <laughs> full lockdown mode engage yeah sadly yeah so what's been up with you what have you been up to so yeah so last week i was saying how i was having a hard time shifting gears from holiday mode to working mode uh so the so what i had to do was to deploy this new redesign which also included a few bug fixes uh, so I, I still had a hard time to start. Uh, eventually what I had to do is I, I had blocked off every morning, like that I would do some deep work every morning. Uh, but I, I had a hard time doing it and in the end, I would just do support, support emails. Uh, but then one day I decided, all right, you're not allowed to eat until you've done this. <laughs> serious business okay seriously so i got i got it done like easily okay yeah i'm very uh treat motivated like my dog Mm, yeah food food motivated (laughs) human excellent yeah exactly oh that's great so yeah so i i I deployed the redesign with the bug fixes Mm -hmm. um i didn't do much marketing about it i I posted it on twitter and i think that's about it Uh, but the goal was that now with the redesign, I can start recording video tutorials. So, because that's going to be my main marketing strategy is content marketing. Right. Uh, so I bought this new mic, mm. um, because someone on Twitter, uh, said, you're yeah, great video, but, uh, this is also very useful for a- a- ASMR. I saw that tweet. Yeah, exactly. Your dulcet tones. You have a, you have an excellent secondary business. Yeah, so that's what I was wondering. Should I should you know should I explore this untapped market, or should I get a new microphone? Right. So I went for the latter. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. 
so, I mean, that's what my plan is for this week, is to really start recording these video tutorials and all the marketing behind them, like posting them on, in forums, on Slack, and on Facebook, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am noticing that I am answering a lot of the same questions over and over again right. in support. Mm-hmm. So I, it's taking up a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. And as a software developer, I hate to repeat myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the mantra has been ingrained in, in me and in my life also. Yeah. So I, I just feel like I sh- a lot of these questions could probably be, a- could probably be answered by the site. You know, either some video tutorials or better onboarding. Really, right now, I really don't have much onboarding. Mm. I don't even send an email. Yeah. Um, how do companies typically deal with like support like this, like frontline customer support? Well, that's it. That's a good question. I mean, I, I I've seen like what big corporations do and. As as a user, I hate that. Like when you you know <laughs> you know you have yeah. a problem yeah. and you go, oh, I'll just go in this chat box and I'll ask my question, and then the, you know they just want to push you some pre written answers to your questions, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, is this what you wanted? It's like no, <laughs> yeah. And then oh well, is this does this answer your question? No, it doesn't. I want to talk to a human. Yeah. So I, I sort of you know I don't want to to do that to my users. Totally. But there's some questions that it seems like uh, if the site was better documented or if there was a, an onboarding video that they could watch, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the questions uh, would not be asked. Mm. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Like that it um, that you could actually solve things more through better onboarding than you can be like, oh, I have a question. I need a knowledge base or I need an FAQ somewhere where I can go and look up the answer to the question that I have. Right. That's it. I mean, that's another option would be to have an FAQ, but, mm-hmm. but I, I think a lot of people don't, don't read. Yeah. I mean, I, so I don't know if they would actually go look at the FAQ and look for the answer. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I don't know. But uh, I think on the, on, during the onboarding, there's some, there's some big pictures, big picture explanations that I need to give. You totally. know, like this is how, the syncing of Airtable to Webflow works, and like how the ma- how the fields should be mapped. So, what kind of field in Airtable should be mapped to what kind of field in Webflow? You know, so there's some big picture, and then after that, there's the the edge cases. Like whenever they do an import, there's all these different kind of things can go wrong. You know, like validation errors or or actual network errors with Webflow's API. Uh, that that stuff I should also improve, but that's that's a much bigger job. Like I need to, like the, for the first version, I thought I would just keep it very low level. Like I'm basically showing the the JSON like responses, so basically what Airtable is returning and what I'm sending to Webflow. So I think I assume that the users are a little familiar with JSON, like in JavaScript, so they it wouldn't be totally foreign to them to see to see two JSONs and be able to compare them side by side. Sure. But uh, it's still not very user-friendly. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was fine for first version, but now I think I need to explain some of these errors mm-hmm. because I'm, people are just, 
asking me the same questions by email. Like, what, what, is, what does this error mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because it, it, that's such an interesting problem of like, you've, it's like you've shown that the tool is useful and now it's like to get to the next level level of usefulness, you need to start giving people the ability to fix their own stuff or to understand the state of the application. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I when I look at my logs, I see people are looking, after they do an import, they are looking at that import log that I display mm. and they are browsing through it and looking at the errors. Okay. But but often they still have questions and they, they email me. Mm. Okay. So it seems like, yeah, that would be a, a good place to improve it so that they, they don't have to email me. It, it answers their question right away. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it, it gives, it's like, it's giving you feedback about the design choices you've made. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. I mean, I, I I knew when I did it, it was, it, it wasn't the best solution. Oh, right? yeah. Like, but, I mean, but I needed to have something up quickly concentrate on the big the big stuff you know totally. the, the import actually working mm-hmm. <laughs> and then for that i figured oh this is better than nothing at least they can see some raw so, some raw data and they can like when webflow returns an error message i just return the the error that webflow sends sure so i figured you know if they go read the api documentation they, they'll have an idea of what it means but obviously it's it's not enough mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm realizing like my target market um, are people who do not want to use their those other automations, <laughs> where they have to know all this stuff, where yeah. they have to read the API documentation, and they just want a button that will just work. Yeah, no, totally, that makes perfect yeah. sense. And I understand them. I mean, that's why I built yeah. it. <laughs> that's why they're paying you. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Okay. So yeah, so the the question is how like what are the big the big rocks? Like what what are the big things I can do that will have the most results? Mm. So is it is it an onboarding email that has a video or is it a, a video directly during the onboarding? Mm. Um yeah, or documentation? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. I never really realized um, it's like until you build your own onboarding, you don't really realize how many onboardings you've been through and like how much an application is actually telling you when, when you do onboard. And it's like, yeah, it really is true that like through a few annotations in your UI, when someone first logs in, the amount of information that you can convey to them contextualized within like, oh, I'm setting up a, a sync between these two things. Oh, and this happened. One small annotation that says, oh, click refresh or wait five minutes or something like that and it turns out it saves you hundreds of emails yeah and that's that's the that's the weird thing is that i i've seen a lot of these onboarding and a lot of them i i despise <laughs> like i hate when they're really they're really in your face like no no no, you need to read all this before you get started yeah. and it's like i'm more of a i like to figure it out hands-on like Same. just so like I just I'm looking for the skip button each time. Like how do I skip all this and just let me play with it? Yeah. But maybe that's not how my users feel. Hmm. Like maybe they're they're the kind that love these onboardings and love to read all the all the steps. Hmm. 
Well, it's interesting too to think about like I'm I'm trying to think through some onboardings that I've been through recently because like I know the exactly the onboardings you're thinking of like oh, you see the UI but everything goes dark except for the one spotlight up in the corner and it's like you can click here to do this and it's like where is the skip button how do I skip yep. out of this versus exactly. something that's just providing a little more context to you in the moment oh something went wrong like a, like a, just like you say like throwing back the um, the Webflow API error. And being able to say like, oh, actually, I'll add some context here to just say like, oh, this just means refresh. Or this means try again in five minutes or something like that. Um, like very clearly, like you don't have to take them, uh, you don't have to take them out of the context of what they're doing and hide a bunch of stuff. You can just be like, oh, no, by the way, like this, it's one small thing. And there, there's no skip button. It's just X. Oh, great. I understand now. Yeah. Well, like here's a concrete example. Maybe you can give me some feedback. Like, after they've they've signed up, uh, they they arrive on their dashboard, and the only thing they can really do is clone one of the workflows. Okay. So you know, either clone the Airtable to Webflow Sync, mm -hmm. or clone the CSV upload workflow. Mm -hmm. And then whichever one they pick the clone, then they fall into this like four or five step wizard mm -hmm. where they set up their Webflow, set up their Airtable, and then map the fields. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm thinking on that dashboard when they first arrive, like I could have a video maybe showing them like overview what how did the workflow work or maybe actually set up a workflow in front of them mm. through a video. But I'm, I'm just afraid of if I put a big video on that page, like then the next action is kind of like below the fold and right. Yeah, the first thing they're going to look for is the X button to be like, whoa, I don't need this. Exactly. Yeah, I no. didn't sign up to watch a video. Yeah. <laughs> I signed up to, to clone a workflow. Yeah, totally. Um, so what are the steps in the workflow? Like what would be step one? So like step one is to give your Webflow API key. Okay. And then step two is to give your Airtable API key. Mm -hmm. And then like step three is choosing which tables and collections you want to sync. Right. And then step four is simply to, to map those fields. I so see. I'll show you. These are the tables you want to sync. Here are all their fields. So you just have to do one for one mapping for each field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it seems like um, like getting people, it's like steps to pay off of, it's like, well, something like an API key is just like, I don't know what you're, like maybe you get the key and then you do like a quick ping to make sure that the key works. And then like, okay, you get a check mark or something to say, great, we're, we're good on that side. And then the other side is like, great, same thing, put in a key, show a check mark, whatever. And then it's like, all right, now welcome to the tough part. And it's like contextual menu of this is a, this, these are your Airtable tables, or this is one particular table. And then like another one over there. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm leaning towards that kind of like extremely contextual, like, a single box that's just like, oh, with an arrow that says this over here is what you're looking for. And this over here is the other thing that you're looking for rather than like, I don't know, maybe it, like, I guess it's an experiment you can run of just like put up a video and see what the watch rate is, see what the close rate is versus the number of support tickets. And I guess you can probably bake it down to the user, like of the users that clicked the X button, do they have the, are they submitting more tickets, less tickets? The types of tickets, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I I, I have a hard time to, like communicating it because I I I've seen the onboardings that I like, and I'm just like, oh, I will do it this way. 
It's right. like, oh yeah, I've never had to had to deal with support like this before. So it's hard to know. I, I mean, I the fact that I cut it down into like four steps, totally, and and each step is pretty simple, right? Mm-hmm. Like your API key, there really is just one input field and a save and continue button. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, on some of them, I can definitely improve it. For sure, like I get some questions, especially on step four when mm-hmm. they map the Airtable fields to the Webflow fields. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're like, uh, "What kind of field can I map to to this kind of field?" Mm-hmm. Uh, that I should definitely try to document on the page more, and maybe with a little wizard where a little pop up appears the first time and mm-hmm. explain what kind of fields can be mapped to what kind of fields. Right, but I think maybe from the very beginning. I mean, I, I do have a percentage of users that don't even start a workflow, mm-hmm. right? So, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if there's anything I can do about them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, they were just curious, they signed up, and they weren't ready to set up a workflow yet. So, they'll come right. back on another day. Mm-hmm. But I just feel, I have to find a way to, I think a video is, is probably the one I'm going to try first. Totally, yeah. But I just need to find a way to not take up too much real estate on the screen to show the that there's a video available, right. but uh, but really the next action is to start start the wizard, start cloning a workflow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, completely agree. Like you you can you can add value to your users right now by giving them a video. Whether the video is the the correct thing in the long term, that that doesn't really matter. <laughs> you need to get right. it, you need to start somewhere. Mm. And then like have a ton of links back to that of just like, oh yeah, like, oh, there's an error of some kind. You should probably watch this video or like go to this timestamp in this video or. Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I could have on each step have like a link that says, do you want to rewatch the video or jump to that and have it open up in a modal. Yeah. And then it's already queued at the timestamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at least then. If you can take it to the timestamp, then it's not like, oh, great, I'm watching this five-minute video again. It's like, no, no, you just have to watch like right. 20 seconds at this at, at the point that I'm hitting, letting you hit play on. Hmm. Yeah. So I think, I, I mean, I think that's the first step. Yeah. I think you're right. The first step is just a video. It's, yeah. it's simple. Uh, and also, if I put it on YouTube, it can also drive some traffic. Hmm. So it's a kind of a two birds of one stone. Yeah, totally. So yeah, so that's that's my plan for this week is content marketing and hopefully find one thing that will reduce my support my support time. Yeah. How long does it take you to put out a, a video typically for like one piece of content that you would ship? Well, I've only ever done it once. Okay. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of like brainstorming it, like when I'm in the shower or when I'm cooking. Mm. So uh, definitely lots of thinking about it before I record it. But then once I recorded it, I, I did it in two takes. Okay. So I didn't really have an outline or anything. I just I just ran with it, pre- recorded it once, and then recorded it a second time. And the, the second time was better. So I pushed it. Okay, amazing. So yeah, it was really just preparatory work on your part of just thinking about what you wanted to build it around and then shipping it. Yeah. Okay. And and, and for that one, there was a lot of thinking because I was, I wanted, 
I was trying to find a no code example, like what kind of what kind of site would I be building hmm. in no code? Oh, okay. So I had to find an example, and I went with a, a simple like video submission kind of website in a newsletter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, cool. How about yourself? How was your week? Week was good. Um, I definitely started it <laughs> on the low energy end. I've been still having a lot of trouble getting back after Christmas. That's gotten better. Um, I really kind of set some small goals for myself and I, I managed to accomplish them, which was great. Um, so the big kind of development that I ran into was, um, so Plaid is my banking provider and I've been trying for the last while. So for whatever reason, my personal account that I've been using for testing, um, just Plaid errors on for some reason. So I submitted a ticket and they were saying, oh yeah, there's something wrong. We'll get back to you in a month. And I was like, whoa, a month is crazy. Like I'm trying to get this to production like now, now. So, um, so I got very lucky and they must've done something on their side because they unlocked my account. So, or they, they fixed whatever error was causing the problem. So I said, Oh, great. Perfect. I'll, I'll, I'll run some tests because I was doing some memory tuning and, uh, just to put it into production. And I noticed that my, I, I ran a quick report against my own accounts and I noticed the numbers were just completely wrong. Like, couldn't have been more wrong. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I haven't changed any of this code for a very long time. So I dug into it. And basically what I discovered was I dug in into the world of these banking connectors and all these banking connectors are doing. And I feel like I've read about this on Hacker News and stuff that these banking connectors just, they sign in as you into your banking, uh, online banking, and they just scrape data. They scrape all your transactions. They scrape everything. So what I noticed was that when I had signed in to my account, they had scraped the last 30 days of transactions and that was it. But I need like the last, like at least the last year, often more, it's like 18 months to two years. So I was like, so it, it kind of, you know, I don't know whether it's foolish or, or whether I, I, maybe I never thought about it, but like, oh, the banking providers can be wrong. They can just give you incorrect data or incomplete data more like. So I kind of stopped and thought about it for a second of like, well, this app sends information to the government and that information should probably be correct. So I had kind of a, a, a crisis of, <laughs> of identity of just like, well, can I really, you know, can this app exist? Does this make sense? And basically what I realized was, you know, like I'm limited to the functionality that, or, or the, to the promise that the, that my banking provider gives and they all do this the same way. They're all pulling data from, you know, whatever bank you're using. So I I was talking with my wife and a few others and just kind of thinking, like, how can I get around this? Like, is this, am I dead? Like, what's going on? So basically what we came, what, the, what I came up with was, so my bet is that Plaid will, if it doesn't return everything to you, it's because something is really wrong on their side. Because like, as long as you know how to parse the banking information from Bank of Montreal, for example, um, you're, you're probably going to be just fine unless BMO changes something on their side and then the, the parsing is completely broken. But whether Plaid knows about that, that's the question. 
So on my side, there isn't a lot I can do, but I can implement a few heuristics to say, is something wrong? So for example, I pull when I so when I pull banking transactions, I pull from today back to the beginning of the previous tax year. So in this case, it would be like Jan 1, 2020. Um, so what I realized was there's a few things I could do like, okay, I can count the number of transactions on that account. And if you have less than say 25 transactions, I can show a warning to the user to say, look, this seems like a low traffic account. Um, if I'm wrong, then, you know, check your number to be sure, like, you know, check the final output to be sure. Does it look correct? But to at least flag to the user and say, you know, something seems fishy. Um, I either, there were transactions, there were a very, there were very few of them, or maybe there were a bunch of transactions for the first six months of the year, but not for the latter six months. Um, there's a couple different things I can do to say, hey, something might be wrong, and I can flag that to the user. Um, I'm not really worried about getting incomplete data as much as I am, or sorry, getting incorrect data as much as I am just getting incomplete data. So if I can figure out ways of saying, okay, something seems weird on the plaid side, then I can just raise that to the user and let them know. And then I can build like a support flow in for them to say, hey, something is wrong. Like I can flag to them and say, oh, you know, it looks like this is a low traffic account. If it's not, click here and it'll pop up a widget or send me an email or something. And I can tell the user, hey, hang on, I'm going to call you or I'm going to email you, whatever. I can open up a line of support along those lines. Um, but yeah, I was thinking that through and I was thinking, you know, it's not a great, <laughs> it's not a great uh, outcome, but it's better than nothing at the very least. I'm really surprised that they, that their solution is not more ironed out. Yeah, I guess it's these. Uh, it's it's working with these banks because the banks are are like, well, they it, you're totally at the uh, at the whim of the banks. I think it's better in the states because there's so many more banks that they need anything to give them an edge. So if you run a small credit union or something like that, you're like, great, we're going to integrate with all these providers, everything else. But in Canada, it's like, oh no, <laughs> not not supporting you. You're gonna to have to scrape, or I think they. I think the scraping is technically against the terms of service of online banking, but um, I don't think they actually stomp the providers. I think they just let them. Wow, and I'm surprised that they can't scrape because I mean, my bank's website is horrific. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I I can't imagine being the poor person that has to work with like RBC to be like, Seriously? oh god. <laughs> well, it's like no wonder they only got the last thirty days of transactions because like. I mean, you you might have to parse PDFs, like who depending on the bank. I mean, it could be really bad, right? And I guess it's too much to ask your user to to log into their site, then download the data, and then send you the data. So I had considered that um, of like go in. So um, you know, thinking about like the the problem of, of the banking reports in general, it's like what would the the for me the best solution is sign in to your bank and I'll pull everything I need and I give you the correct answer. I think the next best solution is go into your online banking, download PDF, your PDF statements for the year and send them to me. And then I can either, you know, whatever. At that point, it's a black box. You could do it manually. You could parse the PDFs yourself. It, it's, it's one and the same, effectively. Um, I think it's a better experience if you just let the user sign in. But I think that the fallback solution is send me your PDFs and I'll do it. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously you're saving. Yeah. Either way, you're saving them the time to have to look at all the, those transactions. Exactly. But if, you know, if you were, at, if you had to ask them to send you a CSV file, um, then at that point, it's not a big step for them to just import it into Excel and to do it themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big trick. Like when you download transactions, I think it will, first of all, I think it depends on your bank. Some banks are better than others. Like uh, my brother-in-law can go into his bank and they'll give you, I think you can just keep clicking like more transactions, more transactions, and you can just highlight the whole page and paste it into Excel. Um, I know RBC is not like that. Um, you'd need to download PDFs of all this stuff. Um, potentially CSVs, I would need to check. But um, but the, I mean, but at that point, like, it's it's not about whether or not you can do it because you like just because it made it into Excel doesn't mean that for the average person they're going to be able to do it any faster. Uh, they're just going to see transactions and be like, I don't want to do this. I hate this. <laughs> no, you're right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, I agree with you. You you should do some basic, like, checking. Mm -hmm. Basically, I mean, look at the the timestamps. Like, does it make sense that there's only transactions between January and June? Mm -hmm. Most likely not. So you could display a warning. Mm -hmm. Is it normal that there's very few transactions throughout the year? Yeah. And, like, that flag, like, because I know, for example, I have an account open... There's nothing in it. It's just there. And if the system were to run on that account, it would say there's, you know, it's a, it would be a false positive, but it's, you know, I, and your average user will know that they'll say, oh, you know, this is an account that I don't really use very often, whatever. Right. Yeah. It's normal that there's no transactions. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you end up seeing a false positive, but like, that's not the end of the world. Um, so, and it, I guess the other thing too is. Uh, and my wife brought this up to me, and I think this is a good point, that we don't actually know how common of an occurrence this actually is. This happened with me, but I also ha I've also been working with them on support tickets. I've been, I, I was having specific problems with my account. Like, we know, so now it's like it can happen, but how often does it actually happen? Um, so it's interesting from a, from like a, <laughs> from, an, from a, a point of view of, well, what could go wrong? But yeah, it's like I really don't because I need users and I need to experiment. I don't really know how often it happens. So, yeah. So there's some experimentation and just like general learning that needs to happen. And, and I mean, I think you're only going to get that through real use. So this is this isn't a big showstopper then. Well, so the so the second half of this was okay. Well, I know what this is. Like I see that. Um, like this could happen. Fine. Um, I really, so the next part is I want to build some alerting in to say, okay, Hey, you know, this happened, but then the other thing that I wasn't doing enough of, I think was putting a big like sticker on it saying, welcome to the beta. Like this is in beta. We're trying this out, you know, try at your own risk basically. Um, yeah. like, I, like, I don't want to, I don't want that to be a cop out. Like I want to give, like, my, I, I take it seriously that I want to give people the best experience possible and I want their numbers to be correct. Um, but that's, I guess that's just a limitation of this solution that there's a chance that the provider can get something wrong. And so I guess what I'm looking at now is 
I want to set up some really basic terms of agreements or something that's just like, look, I'm doing a best effort to make sure that this is okay, but review your numbers beforehand. And like the other part of that is, and this is also a cop-out, but it, it is it is kind of true that the majority of people who live outside of the States um, and are reporting their incomes are not the target of who would be taxed as a result of this program. So like, you know, you could be making six figures and the government doesn't care. The U.S. government doesn't care. They just want you to report your status. Um, it's, you know, more, you have to be a little more wealthy to be included in the tax bracket for which you would need to be, you need to start paying uh, U.S. taxes outside of the U.S. And I would warrant that the majority, I don't have numbers to back it up, but I would warrant that the majority of people living outside of the states aren't actually paying tax. So like, are you off by a few hundred dollars, you know, say the worst case, are you off by a few hundred? Are you off by a few thousand? Probably not a big problem. Uh, are you off by five figures, six figures, then you're starting to get, it's starting to get a little more, um, uh, it's starting to become a little more of a problem at that point. I mean, I don't want to get to that point. Like I, I even feel bad talking about it because it's like, my goal is not to just like cough out and do nothing, but it's like the reality of the situation of like, who's using this? And what what would happen if it were wrong by some by some miracle or you know outage whatever what would happen if it were if the number was wrong? Well, I don't see it as a as a cop out. I mean, if you hired a lawyer or an accountant to do this for you, like they would charge an arm and a leg. They do, but they would provide liability. Like mm. they, you know, like an accountant would say, you know, we're liable if we make a mistake and we'll try to fix it. Same thing with a lawyer. But you know you're you're charging a lot less than them. Mm. It's kind of a self serve service. I don't think it's a cop out to say, well, you know, like we're we're not we're not liable. Like use at your own risk. Mm. Interesting. I never really thought about it like that, but that is a good point. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it's that is very true. That is very true. Yeah, because if you if you get an accountant and your accountant makes a mistake on your tax, it, like say they make a mistake and you wind up in court. Like you can, it's like, let me step aside and let my accountant whose responsibility it was to reflect everything. And they screwed up. Like they have insurance for this. They are in a, yep, they're exactly. licensed. They have a guild for it. Um, yeah. That's a very good point. I never really thought about it like that. You know, cause it would be the equivalent. If, if you want me to be liable for any mistakes that my software is making, I'm going to have to charge you an arm and a leg. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing's free. Yeah. <laughs> you have, you have to pay for that kind of insurance. Yeah. That's very true. That's very true. That makes me feel a lot better. I was I was getting in knots even thinking about it because I was on Friday. I would I I feel like I hit this in the middle of the afternoon and it kind of ruined my Friday of just like oh, how, <laughs> how can I get around this or like is this a, is this a showstopper at the end of the day? Um, right. But you know, in the beginning, I thought it was, but I think you know with like you know I'm I'm going out of my way to to try to give you a clear idea if things are are, are all right. Um, and at that point it's like, you know, you need to do some verification yourself. Like is the number a million? It probably shouldn't be a million or, 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 you know, something like that. Yeah. No, I think just some, some feedback showing, maybe also showing some numbers like, you know, these are the, well, wait, no, cause you only want to show them the numbers after they pay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to be giving all the information before. Yeah. 
but yeah, I don't think it's unreasonable to have a disclaimer saying, you know, this uh, we use third-party software. They could they could be reporting incorrect information. Mm. You know, our our code could have faults. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good point. Cool. Yeah, that makes me that makes me feel better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that that was really the big um, the big thing for me last week. I uh, was just kind of going through those paces. So this week, um, my I'm going to add those alerts. I've already begun doing that. Um, so just adding like a little bit of experience, flagging low numbers of transactions or un, uh, unavailability of transactions, and then I uh, I very sadly ran a very simple test. Uh, I'm a Java programmer, and my thing is written in Java and Spring. And Spring is the largest framework to ever have existed. And when you include some of the AWS crypto stuff, it just like its footprint in memory is gigantic. So I was running on a very modest uh, AWS instance, and I cannot get this thing to fit into memory, which is ridiculous. Like, I just can't. So I ran a small test um, because I had set an upper bound on the uh, Metaspace, and I started getting out of memory errors. and. So I, I don't want to increase the cost of my plant, um, of, of the instance. I'd prefer to figure another solution out. So I'm going to do a little bit of Googling just how to fit this damn thing, damn thing onto the box. But um, how, how much memory are we talking about? Oh, man. Um, let's see. So the... Do I have the... Yeah, so the, the size of the box has a gig of memory. And the, yeah, right. So, okay. So the size of the box is, it has a gig of memory. I have another, uh, I have a, a tra traffic, a reverse proxy, um, a Docker image up. And then I have my application in a Docker image. And it's taking, it's taking something like 600 or seven, 600 to 800 meg of memory. Um, which is but like, how much, to, like a box of one gig of memory, what's that, five bucks a month? Uh, it's, I think it's like 10 USD. Okay. Something like that. I have to check. But the problem is that if I, if I want to, because the, my, my immediate solution would be like, just get a bigger box. Who, who cares? Like, just get a bigger box. Right. But if you double the memory, you're effectively doubling the cost of the machine. So it's going from okay. 10 to 20. And it's like, at that point, I'm kind of like, do I want to spend twenty bucks USD on this? Like, is it worth it? Come on, yeah, come on, twenty bucks! Stop being so cheap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. You're right about that. And it's one hundred twenty bucks. No, it's two hundred forty a year. Yeah. If if this is not going to make more than two hundred forty dollars a year, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not. Worth you should it. move on to other things. Yeah, that's a very very good point. Okay, you've convinced me. I'm up in the size of the box. <laughs> So, because like, I, I really want to, uh, I, I just want to get out of development land and do more marketing. I've been doing a little yeah, bit exactly. of marketing. I've collected a few emails. I want to reach out to them. I want to run some tests with them. Um, so, I, yeah, I just really want to stop writing code and, and just jump in. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, I understand. I uh, I also get go down those rabbit holes and go, oh, how can I make this better? And But really, we're talking about not that much money. It's not that much. Yeah, you're right. And, and you might have time, you know, in three months to fix it. 
and then bring down the cost. But for now, if it's 20 bucks a month instead of 10, it's, it shouldn't be a big deal. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I'm, I'm focusing on the wrong thing of just like, yeah, I, I feel kind of funny saying like, because I, for the longest time, I've always said to myself, like, developers are... We're, we're like trained to focus on the wrong thing. It's like, oh, I don't want to spend the money on this because that's too expensive. But it's like, is it saving you time? Is it saving you? Like, is it getting you to market faster? Like, what is it? What is that money allowing you to do? And we penny pinch about it. But it's like, oh, yeah. I could actually stop writing code and I could go market if I just pay $10 more now. And maybe this doesn't work out in three months and I spent $30. I spent like $60 instead of $30 or who knows, right? Like Exactly. Yeah. Could be yeah, I mean, I I I do it too. I do it too. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's why we're doing these calls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Reality check mode. Okay. Because yeah, I'm a perfectionist, and you know, I I was a software architect for for 15 years. Like I just yeah, I'm always trying to improve consumption of resources, and mm. but even when I had a job, like sometimes you know, my boss would say. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> we'll just get more machines. Oh, Who man. cares? <laughs> Your boss sounded great. <laughs> that was, it's never been the answer in any of my previous jobs. More is never better. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much it for me. Okay. So if you don't have to worry about memory footprint, what are you going to do uh, this week? Yeah. So my marketing page uh, I haven't. I wasn't able to put it live because I need the app up and running. So I'll just increase the size of the box, and I can push everything live. So that'll all go live. Uh, I have uh, a couple people on my uh, on my mailing list uh, who signed up to to check it out. So I'll reach out to them individually and and let them know that it, that it's up, and that I'd like them to to roll through it. Um, so yeah, by the end of the week, um, I'd like to have my first user have gone through and uh and see how it goes yeah well that's a perfect target yeah yeah because there's no real dev work involved with it i mean well i'm doing the alert thing but i'm i've already been working on it i'm just i ha- i'm hacking something together just so i can push the thing into production and then go from there awesome yeah cool do you have anything else no, that's it. All right. So we should, guess we should wrap up then. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, we'll get a website at some point. And a name. Yeah, and a name. And we can push people <laughs> there. They can download the podcast and leave comments and stuff. Right. Great. All right. All right. Talk to you next week. I'll see you next week.